0: While division in the church is always a danger, a number of factors make this especially true in recent days. Too many Christians are quick to slander, criticize, cancel, separate from other brothers and sisters, and Christ. Welcome to the Radical with David Platt podcast, the latest sermons from teacher, author, and pastor David Platt delivered weekly. As always, you can find thousands of more gospel-centered, nations-minded resources at our website, radical.net. In this message, David Platt draws on two passages, Philippians 1.27 and 1 Kings 19, 1 through 8, in order to help and encourage the church toward greater unity in the gospel. In light of our identity in Christ and the mission he has given us, we dare not divide over lesser matters. By God's grace and by the power of the Spirit, we must continue to pursue faithfulness to Christ and love for one another. Here's Pastor David with a sermon titled State of the Church from Philippians chapter 1 and 1 Kings chapter 19.
1: Well if you have a Bible and I hope you or somebody does that you can look on with, let me encourage you to open up with me to two places, Philippians chapter one and first Kings chapter nineteen. So we're gonna be in both of those places, Philippians chapter one and first Kings chapter nineteen. While you're turning, I want to give you a preview of where we will be going starting next Sunday, Lord willing. So we're, we've started reading through the end of the Old Testament, starting in Ezekiel, um, that we're going to lead all the way up to Christmas reading through um, in our Bible reading plan, which by the way, Ezekiel, along with a variety of other Old Testament prophetic books uh, can be a little challenging at different points. Like, what does that mean? Like, you read Ezekiel chapter 1, we read it through with our kids, and they're like, I don't get it. And so if you have questions along those lines, a good study Bible is extremely helpful. So I would recommend this regardless, but particularly as we're reading through the Old Testament, uh, a good study Bible, like the ESV study Bible, that would go along with the translation that we use in our worship gatherings. So if you don't have a good study Bible, I would encourage you to get one. It'll have just notes along the way that'll help you understand some of the things that are going on. So anyway... ESV Study Bible would be one. There are many other good ones. But as we're reading through the end of the Old Testament each day, uh, starting here in Ezekiel, next week, Lord willing, on Sunday, we're going to start diving in all together on Sundays into the book of 1 Peter. And I'll share more next Sunday about why this book of the Bible in particular, but suffice for now to say, it is so applicable to what we are walking through during these days. So, and we're going to keep memorizing scripture together if you're up for it. So this fall, we're going to work to memorize the first chapter of 1 Peter together, hiding God's word in our hearts. It's so encouraging to see so many of you who have shared with me, like that you have, you've done little to no memorization of scripture before, and now you're memorizing like entire chapters of the Bible, just a little bit at a time. So if you're up for it, 1 Peter chapter 1 this fall, and I would encourage you to go ahead, and this is in the Bible reading plan, but uh, the first three verses of uh, 1 Peter between now and this next Sunday. So today, with all that set up about what's coming, is going to be a little different. I mentioned last week that I wanted to share today from my heart about where we are as a church in these unusual days and where we're going as a church, particularly this fall. So with that said, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, if you're still exploring what it means to follow Jesus, or maybe you're part of another church family, this is going to be a bit of family time this morning, but we still invite you to be a part, like you are welcome in this home. And I hope you'll be encouraged today, whether you're considering following Jesus in your life, hang with me particularly to the end where... I want you to see a powerful picture of God's love for you. Or if you're a part of another church family, I hope this will be encouraging to you as you think about uh, what it means to be a part of your church family during these days. Or maybe if you're considering becoming a part of the NBC family during this unique time, I hope this will be helpful. So much I want to share. So what I'm going to try to do is is share through three images, three pictures. So the first image or picture is going to be a map. The second one is going to be a circle with ropes. And the third one is going to be a jar of water. So we've got three pictures, a map, a circle with ropes, and a jar of water that I hope will help us to understand what Philippians chapter 1 and First Kings chapter 19 are talking about. So we'll start with a map. A lot of things have obviously changed in our lives and the world and our church over the last year. What has not changed is the mission of our church. So what what does McLean Bible Church exist for? We exist to glorify God by making disciples and multiplying churches among all nations beginning in greater Washington, D.C. So that's, that's our mission statement. You may recognize this graphic specifically because it's from a booklet that we published in June entitled, A New Chapter, that gave you a picture of where we're going as a church. If you want to, you can download that even now at mcleanbible.org slash a new chapter. So when people ask me, where are we going as a church, what do do you envision when you think about it, other leaders think about the future of this church, this is the answer I give, what's contained in that booklet that we shared churchwide a few months ago. We talked about the rich history that we have, God's faithfulness over decades in and through this church, starting with just a a handful of families here in greater Washington, D.C., now spread out all across the city and thousands and thousands of people. talk about rich history we have and where we find ourselves right now as a unique family with over a hundred different countries represented in our church, united by the gospel, surrounded by urgent need, millions of people around us in need of Christ, billions of people in the world who've never even heard the name of Jesus and unique opportunities we have to take the gospel here in the city and to the ends of the earth, which leads to unprecedented opportunity to make his glory known. And we talked about and as part of that new chapter, how in order to, to experience family life together as a church, in order to meet urgent need around us in the world and steward the unprecedented opportunities we have together as a church family, that we want to just increase our commitment to church life. And specifically, we talked about how we want every member of NBC eventually to, to move toward becoming a part of a church group where we're caring for each other, we're growing together in Christ like every member of this body, caring caring for each other like family, growing together in Christ, and making disciples of Christ on mission together. So back in April, May, June, as we were working all of these things out and sharing these things, it's hard to believe now, but we were at that point thinking, hoping that maybe things would be different by this fall. When it comes to this pandemic that maybe we'd be getting closer back to normal. And obviously that's not the case. As I stand in a room with a limited number of people wearing masks, as many, most of us still gathering online, and we're not able to fully step into all that we've talked about when it comes to the new chapter of NBC, including the crux here, like church groups. like they, These groups hinge on being together. So... Here's the first picture I want to give you. Come back to this map. Picture it this way. Picture us, this star right here, as the previous chapter of NBC. By God's grace, all that God has done in and through our church. Picture what we've just talked about as the new chapter, a place where we're going. Don't read too much into the geography here. We're not moving to the Far East. Picture it more like, well, what's on My heart and mind every single day as I'm praying for the Lord for a son of mine who is in that part of the world that I want to get to as soon as possible. So picture that as the new chapter. And what I want you to hear today is from me is that we are going there, Lord willing, we are going there. But on our way there, the way I would picture it is, we've hit some turbulence in the air quite literally in the air, and we have put our masks on, and we are taking a stop along the way. So on our way there, we are stopping here. If you want to picture it geographically, it's like we're doing a a layover in Paris. I know pandemic doesn't feel like layover in Paris, but that's the picture I want you to have in your mind right here on our way there. So picture that middle star is kind of an interim chapter on our way to the new chapter. Like realize that we are not at our final destination, but we are here in the middle and we're going to be here a little while. At least for this fall, maybe longer than that, into winter and spring. Obviously, we're evaluating all along the way. But one pastor friend of mine described it this way that I thought was really helpful. He said, you know, when you're traveling somewhere, stay in a hotel, when when you get to the hotel and you check in, if you're only there in that place for a couple days, you just kind of leave your clothes in your suitcase and you kind of live out of your suitcase for a couple days. But if you're going to be there for a long time, then maybe you'd take your clothes out of the suitcase and like, actually put them in the drawers in that hotel room. And that's how I would encourage us to think about, at least this fall, when it comes to this stopover, like we're gonna take our clothes out and put them in the drawers. And realize we're gonna be here a little while. Instead of just thinking about how are we gonna thrive in the days to come, I want us to think about how do we thrive in the middle here, in this interim chapter, realizing we're not where we want to be, but we want to thrive where we are. So that picture then leads to the second image I want to give you, and that revolves around ropes in a circle. So. How do we thrive in the interim chapter right here? And it's at this point I want to invite some uh, guys who are going to help me out uh, who have been leading us in musical worship today. And there are four ropes up here. So I'll grab them in the middle. They are officially socially distanced ropes. They are six feet apart from one another. And so I want you to grab the ends of these ropes and form a circle together right here on the stage. Yeah, one more rope there. There we go. You guys got this. All right. There we go. Spread out. Be socially distanced. You you want to be the full six six feet. There you go. You want to be totally compliant. All right. Here we go. So here they are. You got this picture. Here's a picture, and, and you guys are gonna be in this position for a while. I should have told you that before. Um, just yeah. You 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 got this. So. What I want to illustrate with this picture is how we are not able, at this moment, like to connect the way we want to connect, like to connect as closely as we want to connect with. If we weren't in the kind of situation we're in right now, I would just say, hey, no ropes involved, just come up, form a circle, and they grab hands and form a circle, which is the way we're made to connect with one another. Like we're not made to connect with one another, particularly as the church, via distance technology or uh, spread out in a room with masks on. like, But we want to be connected as best as we can during these days, which involves some creativity. And so this is a picture that I hope will describe our church, even just thinking specifically about this, Paul, creatively connected to one another. It's at this point, I want to draw your attention to our website. So DJ mentioned it earlier, but if you go to mcleanbible.org right now, you will see this button, it'll pop up immediately, connect with us, and there's a get connected button. Even if you don't see that pop up, which you will, and you pressed out of that on the front page of our website, you would see a button that says get connected. And so as soon as you press that button, get connected, You have, so this is kind of central page for how to get connected. If you are in any way disconnected right now from other followers of Jesus, then this is kind of intended to be like a one-stop shop to help you get connected in all kinds of different ways. You see, get connected on social media, get connected on e-news right there. When you click up and sign up for our e-news, that's how you get the information about how you can be a part of church gatherings. So anybody who wants to be a part of physically gathering, uh, especially here at Tyson's right now, Lord willing, and some other locations in the days to come, all that happens through e-news, there's COVID updates, and then you see an area that says, get connected groups. So if you are not a part of a group and would like to be a part of a group, like Click on join a group and that's the avenue through which you can connect with a group during these days. Groups are meeting in all kinds of different ways. Some just technologically distance from one another, but then others in person in wise ways. So get connected to a group, get connected to a class. So there's tons of different classes we have going on. I'll mention in a second one in particular that I'm gonna be teaching starting this Wednesday. But, but all kinds of different classes for men, women, married, uh, married couples. Uh, engaged couples, uh, people going through grief, all kinds of different classes going on. And then there's information, of course, about our Sunday worship gatherings, which, just as a reminder, are translated live every week into Spanish, Korean, and Mandarin. Um, so. And then you've got place where you can, this is where you can download the Bible reading plan, discussion guides that flow from every single Sunday. You can do it with your family or with your group. Uh, a Pray the Word podcast that's walking through Ezekiel every day. So it's just a daily five-minute praying through a verse from that chapter in Ezekiel. Um, all kinds of If you want more information about being a follower of Jesus, uh, get connected through giving, get connected to local outreach. We're going to talk about that more in just a second, but all the opportunities to continue to be involved in making the love of Christ known in the city during these days. Global outreach, there's actually coming up this next Saturday. So you want to go on a mission trip virtually, you, your family, can do that this Saturday in the Dominican Republic. So there's a place to sign up for that. Then children, students, special, uh, families with special needs, uh, just families in general, and then young adults. There's a whole um, virtual Bible study that young adults will be walking through uh, together across all of our locations. So all of that is on this Get Connected page. The whole reason why I want to emphasize this is to say, you guys still doing all right? Haven't forgotten about you. We want to be as connected as possible. So I want to encourage particularly every member of NBC, I get connected to a group, a class, to service opportunities some way so that you are not isolated during these days. And again, those outside, like you can be a part of these classes no matter where you are in the world. Or if you're here in Metro DC and you're wanting to learn more about this church family, like these are opportunities for you to get connected. One particular class that... Uh, I want to make you aware of is a class that's going to start this Wednesday that I'm going to be leading called Foundations for Life in Christ and Leadership in the Church. And so we're actually going to do this class as an in-person midweek Bible study for anybody who wants to do that in person. There's a way you can register. You just go to our, see our classes right here and it'll give you all the information about how you can be a part of that in person if you'd like to, if you want to be a part of a gathering like this, obviously socially distanced and wise ways that'll be here at our Tyson's locations, or you can join online and be a part of this from anywhere you want. The whole, whole idea is like, amidst everything going around us in the world and all kinds of divergent conversations, like how do we make sure we don't lose focus on what's most important? now and forever. Foundations for life in Christ and leadership in the church. So if you're a new follower of Jesus, if you're a seasoned leader in the church, the whole aim here is to say, what, what does it mean to live in love for Jesus, to lead in the church accordingly, and to live for his glory in the world? So that'll just be a midweek Bible study that's starting this Wednesday if you want to be a part of that. All of that is on this Get Connected page. The whole I, whole purpose there, again, is to say, how can we creatively connect with one another in this interim chapter? And then, so let me keep going with this imagery, not just to get connected, but to stay connected. In a world, and I'm going to be more specific here, in a church world that is extremely prone right now to try to divide us and break these connections. So here's what I mean by that. We live in a church world that right now is filled with division. And all my conversations with pastors of other churches during the last few months, without exception, they talk about how division in the churches they pastor is at an all-time high over all kinds of issues, whether it's race and justice issues, over regathering, over whether or not to wear a mask. One pastor friend of mine, whom I respect deeply, he's led the church he pastors for 26 years, one of the healthiest churches I know. And he said, by far, this is the worst he's ever seen it when it comes to division. I said, if you were to put it on a scale, one to 10, like one like we're holding together strong 10, like we're f- falling apart in, different, in all kinds of different ways. Where would you put it? He said, I'd put it at about a seven or eight. And, and I'm hearing that in so many different ways, like church members dividing from church members, church leaders dividing from church leaders. So I want to give you a picture and just use this to share my heart for NBC. So I want to associate each of these four guys with four friends of mine. So I'm closer to some of these friends than others, but I think I can genuinely call each of these brothers friends. And you may not recognize all their names, uh, so I'll give you a brief explanation of each of them. So first, we'll start back here with Gavin. Gavin is going to stand for John MacArthur. So... John MacArthur is pastor of Grace Community Church in Southern California. He has faithfully preached the Bible for decades, 40 plus years, as pastor of one church, has written all kinds of commentaries, has been extremely influential in my life and ministry. So that's John MacArthur. And working our way around here, DJ is going to stand for Mark Dever. So Mark is pastor of a sister church here in Metro DC down in the district called Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Mark has faithfully pastored that church for decades and preached the word, promoted the health of the church, not just there, but has written much on and encouraged, promoted healthy churches all over the world. He has also been extremely influential in my life and ministry. Keep coming around. Gabe here is gonna be Thabidi Anyabwile. Thabidi is pastor of Anacostia River Church in southeast DC and planted that church more recently over, over recent years. Has pastored before that, again, faithfully preaching God's word week in and week out as a pastor has written on health of the church, health of church members, has written specifically on the gospel and Islam. The BD is a former Muslim who came to faith in Jesus, has written on African-American theology, has been influential in my life and ministry. And then last uh, G over there is gonna be Francis Chan. So Francis and I met years ago at a conference where we were both preaching our zeal for disciple-making led us to work on a project together called Multiply. Uh, he's written books on crazy love, forgotten God about the Holy Spirit, unity me together about marriage. So here's the deal. Those four brothers, friends of mine, we live in a church world that wants to divide these four brothers from each other that wants to pit these brothers against each other, that wants these brothers to critique one another in different ways because they don't believe the same thing about everything. Like I've been around tables with each of them where they don't believe the exact same thing I would say. And I've seen them talking with each other and they don't believe the same thing with each other. But each of these brothers, I am confident loves Jesus loves his word and what I mean even to the down to the details of what we believe, and our statement of faith is NBC. But they love Jesus, they love his word, and they are living, like giving their lives to make the glory and the gospel of Jesus known in the world. And I want it to be crystal clear to you, to us as a church, that each one of these brothers would be welcome as a member of McLean Bible Church. And we are not going to divide from one another. When there is a heart for Jesus, confidence in his word and a zeal to make the gospel known in the world at the center of our church. This is not going to be a church where we're going to let go of these ropes. We're going to hold on to these ropes. Which doesn't mean we're going to think the same thing about everything. Like we're going to have disagreements. And when we hit tough issues, we're going to open up God's Word in the middle of us and do, our best, do the best we can to understand God's Word, kind of like we did when, when things started to come out, just more and more about race and justice in our culture over recent months. We said, okay, what does God's Word say about this? We walked through a process where we look at over 750 different references to Scripture to try to understand what God's Word says. But even that effort got skewed in this environment we're in to where people were... Spreading rumors, even just blatantly false rumors, that NBC is like supporting BLM as an organization, Black Lives Matter as an organization, or NBC is promoting secular theories like critical race theory. So, just to be clear, like to shut down those rumors, like NBC in no way supports Black Lives Matter as an organization that is unbiblical, antithetical to the gospel in so many different ways. NBC in no way embraces secular theories like critical race theory. a worldview that is also unbiblical and antithetical to the gospel. Like we we don't need secular organizations, secular theories. We have Jesus and his word. And as the church, we're going to as best as we can hold tightly on these ropes with his word at the center of all that we do. Knowing, knowing that it's challenging. We got different views on different things around this. Even with our holding fast to the word, we got different views. But what we're saying is, we want to hold on to these ropes. In a church world that wants to divide us, I just want to be crystal clear, we're holding on to these ropes. And in a political world that wants to divide us. So uh, so I've written this book that comes out, I think this week. I should know. I'm pretty sure it comes out this week. called Before You Vote. And uh, our plan is to hopefully have uh, physical copies uh, for free for those who come to in-person gatherings at different points. But it's, uh, again, just to be clear, I'm not making any money on this book. All proceeds for that book go toward promoting the glory of Christ in all nations. And, and I do genuinely hope this book will be uh, helpful in navigating just the decision that we all make with how we steward our vote. But I want to let you in on a little secret, like the hidden purpose of this book is to fight for unity in the church because we live in a political world, even in the church, where, and this is is part of what provoked me, much of what provoked me to write this book. There are people, Christian leaders, who are saying, You cannot be a Christian and vote for Joe Biden. You cannot be a follower of Jesus, like truly a Christian, and vote for Joe Biden. And then there are others who are saying, writing entire books, saying, you cannot love Jesus and vote for Donald Trump. There's no way you can love Jesus and vote for Donald Trump. So we live in a world that's saying, break the road. Like you're not even a Christian. You're not even a true believer. You're not, you don't love Jesus if you vote. The, and I just want you to hear crystal clear from me. McLean Bible Church is not going to be a place where we divide over the vote. Like, we, we assuming there is love for Jesus, his word at the center here, then yes, we've got disagreements, even strong disagreements about those things, but we don't break fellowship in Christ over that and question one another's love for Jesus, whether or not you're even a follower of his. So, we live in a world that wants us to break these connections, and I just want to, urge us to hold on to these ropes. In an Ephesians 4 kind of, 4-3 kind of way, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, like bending over backwards to hold on to these ropes, to try to understand even where we disagree with each other and realizing Jesus and his word are sufficient to hold us together. And I know I, that, that means there's a lot of need for grace around that circle, grace from members to each other, grace amongst pastors like I want to shepherd faithfully every single person in this circle. But when I find myself speaking to one person in the circle, I feel like somebody over here just starts to misunderstand what I'm saying there. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's challenging. I'll just put it that way. And so I would ask directly for your grace, for me and other pastors, as we try to do our best, obviously none of us perfect, in shepherding the whole body. So... We want to hold on to these ropes. Why? Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you and are absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Like we are commanded as the church to stand firm, hold these ropes in one spirit with one mind, not around all the things we might disagree on, but one mind around God's word and the gospel. And we want to strive side by side for that gospel. Because, well, you guys are almost finished. You know, there's there's another way to make a circle with these ropes. Can you think of what it might be? Can you guys make the circle a little different with these ropes. Holding on to the ropes in the same way. Huh. Like the connection just as strong. But the perspective is now very different. Because when you're holding on, and they, they did what any four people would have done, grab a circle, make a circle, like hold hands or hold ropes, looking at each other. The challenge is, when you're just looking at each other, you start to notice like all the things that are different about that person than you. And you might even start to get frustrated with some of those differences. But when you turn out, it starts to change your perspective. And this is the picture I want us to see as a church because when we're facing each other, there's a lot of temptation to point out what, what different things we, we wish were different about each other. When we're facing out and looking at a city where five plus million people right now are on a road that leads to an eternal hell, like it changes our conversations. It changes what we're concerned about. It changes what we're focused on. And when our eyes lift up even beyond that and we see a world where two to three billion people have never even heard the name of Jesus, like two to three billion people walking through a pandemic right now who have no hope whatsoever in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like when our eyes are fixed there, it changes our perspective what it means to be in community with one another. We are standing firm, one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith and the spread of the gospel. This is the picture I pray will mark MBC during this interim chapter. Okay, you guys have killed it. Thank you. Can you give it up for these guys? Y'all can let go. And as... As they go, so here I want, I want to I want to pause at this point and show you a video that shows how this this picture that they just had of looking out together has been playing out through you through us, it's a church family over these last months. If you remember, the first week we we went into all right, we're going to be gathering online. Things are going to be very strange. We said we're going to turn this building specifically into a warehouse for meeting needs all across our city and we're going to work across all our locations and all kinds of different places and we're going to we're going to spread the gospel in the middle of a pandemic and i just want you to see the fruit of community on mission over the last few months even as we look to continue to do this in the coming months watch this with me Throughout the history of the Church of Jesus Christ, we are a people who run toward need, not away from it.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Have a blessed day.
1: All right. Okay. Oh, uh, can I pray for you all? Yes. All right, cool. Anything specific?
2: So Lord, I pray you will give her your peace and your joy today. Help her to have a very blessed week. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
1: As soon as this shut down and our city, our church began and we began to realize the ramifications of this pandemic that was surrounding us in a way that was unprecedented in our lifetimes. We knew, as a church, like there are unique challenges we're about to face, but there are also unprecedented opportunities to share God's love in the middle of those challenges. We're doing um, food distribution at Rockview Elementary School. We do, we do 400 boxes of groceries, so, and so today we
3: have two, one here at Rockview, went at Summit Hall and their Summit Hall is just as busy as us.
1: Um, and then tomorrow we have Copper Mill, Thursday, Bears Mill, Friday, Harmony Hills. And it's just, I mean, we get to serve the community, love on the people. Um, that's been a blessing during the pandemic. Just to meet the people, pray for them, care for their needs. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And it has been nothing short of awesome to see God at work. Like no one else could take credit for what has happened to see an operation basically come to being almost overnight
3: two and a half years ago um, we felt the lord really calling us to expand um, on our food ministry options here at McLean bible church so um, in an effort to reach people where they were we wanted to make them mobile so we set up markets and we would bring in fresh produce and other healthy food options, which we felt was really important. we were really, really grateful that the Lord laid that foundation for us. We were able very quickly to serve about 250 to 300 families a week, which is something that we've been doing for the last two and a half years.
0: And then the pandemic hit and we uh, just exponentially grew uh, to try and meet the needs of the community. The first week, I believe we did about 800 families um, and the need continued to grow.
3: So because of the Lord's provision um, and just his uh, sovereignty and um, laying that foundation a few years ago, uh, when the coronavirus hit, we were able to really quickly expand what we had uh, and now we're able to serve between nine and 10,000 families a week.
0: So this is the uh, schedule uh, for the week, uh, the day of the week, uh, the different locations that we're going. Uh, how many boxes are going to each of the locations, uh, the truck that they're going on, our point of contact, um, what time uh, we need to be at the site, um, and who's driving. And it just gets uh, filled in as the week goes on, as we get volunteers to sign up, uh, as we get additional sites booked.
3: We're here uh, six days a week, and we work. um, We're open for close to 14 hours a day. So some of the biggest needs that we have right now are definitely uh, volunteers. This requires about 100 plus volunteers a day uh, here for packing shifts between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. We have a need for volunteers to go out to our sites and help distribute food. We have a need for evangelism team members who love sharing the gospel and love praying with people. We always need truck drivers And we also need people to give to the CARE Fund.
1: Thousands upon thousands of families being served through tens of thousands of boxes and millions of meals and millions of dollars, all in the name of Jesus, all with the gospel at the forefront. The people of God running toward needs in the city with the gospel. So
3: this outreach is really more than just about feeding people. Um, We want to get the gospel out there, and that was the most important aspect of it for us.
2: Of course, we want to give out the food boxes to the local communities, but we also are here to meet people's spiritual needs.
1: That they will know that you died on the cross for their sins, so that you may have a relationship with the Father an abundant one.
2: It's what sets us apart from any
3: other food packing place that you might find here in the D.C. area, is that we're sharing the gospel with them as well as Um, nutritional nourishment that they're getting from what we're doing. And we make sure that as much as possible, every person who comes through any of our distribution sites hears the gospel, has a chance to ask for prayer, Um, and we've seen God moving in amazing ways. There have been so many salvations and just incredible stories.
2: There's one site in D.C. that uh, we started out with, I think there are maybe 20 people that came um, and now, yesterday we went and we gave 300 boxes within 30 minutes. Um, but that site, uh, the community has really come around it, and we have I don't know maybe like 25 volunteers from the community that come each time now to help, and they also uh, want to start a church in that community, um, which is just incredible. So they they see the deep need there, um, abuse and addictions and things, and they just want to. Come alongside that community and help it in any way they can. So, um, they've already started meeting on Sundays to organize uh, that church there. And so, that's just been amazing to see just that growth. And just we came there just giving boxes of food and sharing the gospel with them. Salvations that have come um, from that community is just amazing to see. And-
1: I'm so thankful for God's grace in this church, the way the brothers and sisters who make up our church family have run, not away from need, but toward need in the middle of a pandemic, who have seen the challenges and said, we want to meet needs in the name of Jesus in ways that people have come to know Christ. Churches are in the process of being started and all of this while people's physical needs are being met in the middle of a pandemic i I pray that the fruit of all of this is matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 that people might see good deeds and give glory to our god in heaven Standing firm, standing firm in one spirit, side by side, for the faith and spread of the gospel. Like, this is, this is what we want to be the story of our church in the middle of this pandemic. All of this leads to the third picture. A jar of water. So, and I should mention, uh, and you saw it at the end of that video. Like, there are continuing needs for uh, volunteers in all those different capacities. And they're on that get connected page. You can find out how to get connected. Let me encourage you individually, families, couples, groups. Uh, to explore those kind of opportunities, especially as things start to open up more in different ways. Uh, there's even more need for uh, volunteers uh, in all those different areas. So I want to make sure to mention that. Jar of water, third picture. Map, circle with ropes, jar of water. First Kings chapter 19, I want to read to you from, we'll start with the first five verses. Just to give the setup, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, prophet of God, calls down fire from heaven. He prays and fire falls from heaven. And then he prays and rain falls from the sky after years of drought. And he outruns a chariot. Like, 1 Kings 18 is a high point for sure. And seeing the glory of God and fire and rain and all these ways and that makes 1 kings chapter 19 verse 1 very surprising listen to what the bible says Ahab told Jezebel so king Ahab was the evil king during that day Jezebel was his wife who were leading all kinds of people into idolatry Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done how he had killed all the prophets with the sword false prophets the prophets of Baal then Jezebel sent a messenger saying to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So basically Jezebel threatens Elijah. Now what do we expect Elijah to say at this point? I mean, really, Jezebel? You and what army? I mean, just called down fire from heaven. Just called down water from the sky. You're making a threat against me? Bring it on. Instead, verse 3 says, He was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. So let's think about this for a minute. Put yourself in Elijah's shoes. What kind of emotions are you experiencing at this point? Like, he's clearly afraid. He's running for his life. And then he sits down and he says, it's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. I think emotions that describe Elijah might include tired, disappointed, frustrated, feeling like nothing is getting or is going to get better, feeling like it's one thing after another that he's having to face. Like these are words that over this last week and a half, in an email I sent out to leaders of our church, hundreds of leaders across all of our locations, I asked them to describe emotions they're feeling right now. And these are the words they used. In addition to exhausted, wrung out, numb, lonely, weary, apathetic, squeezed, tested, stressed, breaking down emotionally, feeling down and sad, discouraged, isolated. Confused, overwhelmed. I could keep going on and on, but I trust we get the point. Like, there are a lot of people right now who feel like Elijah in different ways. I mean, yeah, I just asked do you feel tired these days? Exhausted, weary, stressed? Discouraged, confused—all these different things. Not just leaders in this church, but members across this church. And I'll just put myself out there. I read an article the other day, and don't read too much into this article, but I, I do want to help it let, let it help us illustrate the point. Like the article said, six reasons your pastor is about to quit. And the whole article went on to talk about how many, many pastors are on the verge of quitting during these days, struggling to go on. And it listed different reasons how they're weary from the pandemic like everybody else, discouraged about the infighting in the church that talked about earlier, discouraged about losing members or attendance, questions about finances, which I just would pause right there and say, by God's grace, due due to your faithful, generous giving, I want you to know, like we are at an extremely healthy place financially right now as a church, which is stunning to say over these in light of these past six months. But thank you for your continued faithful giving. I say that uh, like to encourage you to continue to press on in the ways you have as there's so much uncertainty going into these days. But I'm thankful that as a pastor, we're not struggling by God's grace at that point, at that, in that way right now. But he goes on to talk about criticisms increasing, how church members are weary, and pouring out angst on each other, on leaders in the church, how because of less opportunity to gather together, people are just spending a lot of time on social media. And uh, yeah. Instead of talking face-to-face about different things, just firing off this and that and hearing what this person and that person said, spreading gossip. So all that to say, I share that with you. I'm not saying that I'm about to quit, but I am saying this. This is Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is Elijah who, like, with Moses, appears at the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. Like, one of the, Bedrock heroes of the faith. And in First Kings chapter 19, he's at the point where he totally wants to quit, not just quit ministry, he wants to quit life. I, I just want to die, he says to God. And I, I think about one brother in our church family who's here this morning, who's, who's, Wife came to that point recently and took her life. Like the, the best of us is not immune to getting to this point. And this is why I want this picture to be clear to us today as a church, because I love what God does in this passage. Just see it. So Elijah's like, "I'm at the end of myself. I don't even want to go on. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb the Mount of God. Do you see this picture? Elijah, he's running in fear. He's struggling. He's weak. He's, he's actually turned his back on what God has called him to do. And what does God do? God comes to him right where he is, meets him right where he is, and instead of saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Get back. Like, shape up. God just says, here's a drink of water. Like, I just want to nourish you. And that's the picture I want, especially anybody who feels during these days tired, disappointed, frustrated, feeling like nothing is getting or is going to get better, exhausted, any of these things that you would see right now. God's saying to you through his word, I meet you right where you are and I want to nourish you with what you need. We worship a God who pursues the weak who comes to the struggling where we are, a God who does, does not leave us alone who knows exactly what we need at every moment we need it. This is the gospel. This is the this is the glorious news around which we unite. The fact that all of us were running from God in our sin, and God, by his grace, has come running after you and me. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us, to save us from our sins, to restore us to a relationship with him where we know we have eternal life in him nourished by him forever and ever and ever. So I want to encourage you with this picture today. And I want you to know I've just spent a lot of time in 1 Kings 19 over recent weeks and I've come out of that time praying seven specific things for myself and I'm praying these things Same things for you. I'm just praying these things like continually over the members of NBC. And I'll just list them out. I'm not gonna talk about them in depth, but I just want you to know what I'm praying for you. Specifically this fall, I'm praying for your intimacy with Jesus. I I pray that you will experience nourishment from him in every way you need it during these days. Intimacy with Jesus, I'm praying that you would experience humility before Jesus and others. One of the things in 1 Kings chapter 19 is God exposes some pride in Elijah's life. God's been exposing pride in my life. Just, I pray for humility before Jesus and others, for strength through Jesus. Amidst everything going on, Philippians four thirteen, just like we studied this summer. Philippians 4 things, 413, like strength, that you can do all things, whatever tomorrow today holds, through Christ who strengthens you. I pray that you would experience strength through Jesus, joy in Jesus. Philippians 4, 4, kind of joy, rejoicing always that you would know amidst all kinds of difficult circumstances, the joy of Jesus living in you. All kinds of hurt and pain that you would know, even in the middle of that, the joy of Jesus in you. I pray for this, and I I pray for wisdom from Jesus over you. Like all of us living in uncertain times, what do you do do each day? Like whether it's in marriage and family and teaching like kids at home, teachers and this or that work, like for wisdom every day from Jesus, for courage for Jesus that we wouldn't sit back during these days. We would step forward trusting in God's word and making his grace known around us with courage and ultimately for rest upon Jesus. Like that you would experience rest in him, on him. Like those who wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40, shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. What's the key to soaring like an eagle? Waiting on the Lord, like resting in the Lord. that You would experience rest in a 1 Kings 19 kind of way in the Lord. What, What God does after this passage, like he takes Elijah to a mountain and he doesn't reveal himself in these grand ways like fire and earthquake. Instead, it's a gentle whisper. I pray that you would experience the gentle whisper of God during these days is reminding you you're not alone. He's with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to nourish you with everything you need. So, flowing from that, uh, I want to close today with five personal challenges. And we're going to hit these just as quick as we did those seven. But as I was praying, like, okay, what, what might be a takeaway today or takeaways from our time together today, like in each of our lives. These are the five things that come to mind. And and these are certainly specifically for NBC members, but for any follower of Jesus, I think these would apply. One, I want to challenge you to spend concentrated time alone with God every day. And you'll see I capitalize alone (laughs) In order to maybe help you remember these five challenges, they're all based on, uh, they're, they're all highlight uh, different vowels. So A-E-I-O-U. Sorry, sometimes Y. It's only five challenges. So a i o u. So just maybe help you remember these. So this fall, like, let's spend concentrated time alone with God every day. Like, that's why we have a Bible reading plan. That's why we're meditating, memorizing Scripture together, just to soak in The word of God, the nourishment of God, just in prayer. Spend concentrated time alone with God every day. Two, go out of your way to, so here's the E, encourage others. In a a day where there is plenty of discouragement to go around, can we just like step in and try to be, as a church family, a culture of encouragement? Are we're just constantly reaching out to each other, just affirming God's grace in each other, like assuming the best in each other in a a world that just is so quick to criticize and so quick to shoot at each other, like just just say, like, like, we want to build each other up, not tear each other down, with an eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit on mission together. So go out of your way to encourage others. When you think something about God's grace in someone else, don't just think it. Like, send them an email. Send them a text. Call them up. Go socially distance with them and tell them face to face. Like, just go out of your way to encourage others. I get and stay connected in this interim chapter in view of the new chapter. So... If you're already connected, great. If you're not connected, get connected and work to stay connected, like fight to stay connected in this interim chapter, in view of the new chapter to come. And again, even if you're not a member of NBC, whatever church family you're a part of, or you're not able to experience all that you want to experience or design to experience in that church, like what can you do in, the, in this meantime to get and stay connected in view of the chapter to come when things are different, Lord willing? Or well, whenever that is. Fourth, O, oh, work to lead one person to Jesus over the next year. One person to Jesus over the next year. Like, just, just think. Like we, I so miss gathering together with crowds of people in all of our locations and seeing people baptized like every single week. <laughs> like, I can't wait to have a service where we're able to baptized in the same way as we have before, but but we can still lead people to Jesus, and so what if, what if we all just prayed, God somebody in my sphere of influence, I want to lead somebody to Jesus, friend, family member, co-worker, neighbor, and we just prayed and worked toward that, like thousands of people could have their lives changed for all of eternity over the next year, like this No pandemic can keep this from happening. In fact, a pandemic should drive us with even deeper urgency to seeing this happen. So would you just pray and work to lead one person to Jesus over the next year and us to encourage one another to do that personally. And then finally, the you. I wanna encourage you to pray each day for unreached people in the world. So... I mentioned earlier, two to three billion people who are walking through a pandemic have little to no knowledge of Jesus or God's love in Jesus. So, would you take just 15 seconds of your day to lift your eyes? If you have not already downloaded it, I would exhort every member of NBC to download Unreach to the Day app. Uh, it's from Joshua Project. Unreach to the Day, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, you pop it up, here's the, every day there's a different people group. Like, this will take you 15 seconds alone. You can do this with your kids. Do this with your spouse. Do this with friends, or just do it alone. So here's the Telly people of India, Muslim people, 1.694 million of them, zero followers of Jesus. As far as we know, no one from the Muslim Telly community has put their faith in Jesus. Tell us a little bit about them, where they are in India. Like just, just look at it. God, please cause your grace to be known among the Telly people of India. Now you do that every day, God starts to change your perspective on what matters most and what should consume you the most. People around us and people around the world who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the fifth challenge there. Pray each day for unreached people in the world. And I'm just convinced that if the members of NBC, like if we do these things together, by God's grace we'll find ourselves thriving during these days I'm not saying it makes it all easy by any means but I'm saying there's a way to thrive in the hard there's a way to thrive in the difficulties and the trials and I just want to rally us together to say let's, let's thrive during these days and our relationships with Jesus, our relationships with one another and in our work together to spread the gospel in the world so let's let 's pray, God, I want to pray all these things over every person who's listening right now god I, I pray for some who may have never trusted in Jesus have not yet become followers of Jesus, Lord, that today they would text that number that's on the screen, that they would experience your love and your mercy and your grace and drink from the nourishment you alone can give today for the first time. God, I pray for the other end of the spectrum. People have been walking with you for decades. That you would nourish them in a fresh way today. And for all of us, God, for every person who's listening right now, I pray for increasing intimacy with you. You'd help us all, self first and foremost, but all of us to grow in humility before you. I pray for your strength over every single person listening right now. I pray for your joy over every person listening. And I pray for wisdom and courage. God, I pray for rest. we pray that you'd help us to lock arms with each other in as creative ways as we can. To spend concentrated time alone with you each day. To encourage each other in every way we can. To thrive together during these days in connection with one another leading people. We pray that you would use us to lead people to Jesus in ways that spread far from where we are. Oh God, we give thanks in all circumstances. We thank you for the moment we find ourselves in. With all of its challenges, we thank you because you are with us, that you've not left us alone. And we say together, we need your water every single day. And we praise you for your promise to give us what we need. We pray all these things together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Elections
0: in the United States tend to be a time of confusion and disunity among Christians. What if there is another way? What if there's a way for Christians to participate in an election with authentic love for Jesus, countercultural unity in the church, and a clear conscience before God? Well, in Before You Vote, David Platt urges every Christian to ask these seven critical questions before casting a ballot. Questions that are based on biblical truth, not political talking points. Before You Vote is available right now for pre-order on our website, Radical.net. And thank you for all the response to this new resource. It is already a number one bestseller on Amazon. We hope you check out this new resource from David Platt. Well, that's all for today's episode. I'm your host, Thomas Bowen. And until next time, join us there at Radical.net.